York, it's Ask This Engineer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. That's right, we're broadcasting live from the Adafruit Factory in downtown Manhattan. This is not a green screen, although we're a little warmed up uh, from the lights here. It's uh, me, Lady Ada, with me, Mr. Lady Ada, at the Adafruit Factory, where we manufacture all the goodies. Right now, the factory is quiet, at least sleeping, everyone's out, yeah. and we're max vax. That's why we're not wearing our masks, but usually we We've do. We've been vaccinated. We've been vaccinated. Yeah. But we do have an exciting show for you tonight, about one hour of the latest news updates, videos, tutorials, products, and more. That's right. Mr. Lady Ada, let's kick it off. Let's get right into it. On tonight's show, the codes are back. MS Build is a code, 10% off just for this hour live. We're bringing back the codes, but we're doing small steps at a time. So yeah. put stuff in your cart and use the code MS Build. Uh, it'll, this code's going to go away after we're offline. Maybe it'll be around for a few minutes more. Basically, 10 o'clock Eastern, I turn this code off. So use the code, 10% off in the Adafruit store. Anything that's in stock and things besides like gift certificates and other stuff that aren't covered by this. Talking about our live shows, including Show and Tell, Desk of Lady Ada, and JP Show, and Deep Dive with Scott, and more. Show and Tell, people around the world show and share their stuff. Uh, we have a little bit of update with Show and Tell on how we're going to do things in the mm -hmm. show going forward. Yep. Time travel, look around the world, makers, hackers, artists, engineers, and more. Help Wanna, and we got jobs from the jobs board, jobs.adafruit.com. Main New York City factory footage, 3D printing, INMPI, new products, top secret. And we're going to answer your questions. We do that over on Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord, where you can join all 29,000 of us, 24-7. All that and more on you Ask an it. Engineer. Yay! Okay, so first up, okay. let's uh, pay some bills. Don't forget the code is MSBUILD. And I can't believe we're going back to the code. I mean, I, I just... We're back. Whew. We're back. Um, but it's only during the live portion of the show. Um, okay. And I do want to thank... Everyone on our team here is just one of the photos that we were doing right before uh, the pandemic started. We'll have some new company photos of everyone soon. Uh, but thank you so much, everyone, for supporting us. Um, and now it's time for us to give back, and we can do some discount code, so that's why we have that code. But when you shop, you can also get free stuff. That's right. What do you we get? have the freebies, $99 or more, you get a free promo proto half-size breadboard. $149 or more, you get one of many uh, STEM QT boards. We have a range of about 20 different boards we're giving away. You'll get a different one each time if you make an account and register, because that way we can keep track of what we sent you. Otherwise, it's random. $199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States, and $299 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground Express, SAMD21, which can run code.org, CircuitPython, Arduino, um, Rust, all sorts of different languages. And make it's got code. all the make code, all the sensors and buttons are built in. So it's a great way to start. Just recommended it to a teacher today. You were like, what well, can we get started with? And they said, pick up some circuit playgrounds. All right, and keep in mind, Monday is a holiday, so when- No postal. There won't be postal, and I don't believe there is uh, UPS or DHL. So just yes. keep that in mind when you place your order. All right, show and tell. We used to go over the show and tell, um, all the folks that were on it. And what we're gonna do is just suggest that you watch the video because we have lots of folks and we wanna save that time for more Ask an Engineer each week. Mm. So go to our whatever video channel, usually people use YouTube, and check out all the show and tell folks um, that are on there each week. It's some Adafruit folks, and then folks from the community, and then folks we don't even, uh, haven't even met yet. Um, so check that out there. It's part of our Adafruit live series of shows. Uh, every single week we do Desk of Lady Ada. That yeah. is on Sundays, and the first half of the show this week you showed what? Okay, so I showed the RP2040 Connect, which we just got a working circuit Python build for, so it's exciting if you have an Arduino. I also showed my update to the STEM a friend. I showed this a long time ago with a SAMD21. Now it's an RP2040. I showed some speed ups. 
that I did for the um, Arduino core for the RP2040 as well, and then we went into the great search. Yeah. Which um, was... Well, do we, we do the great search. Tune. And uh, in the Great Search, which is extremely valuable right now, Lady Ada uses all of her powers of digikeying. For good. On, for good on the site. And this week, you showed how to find... Limo connectors, which we saw in uh, some very fancy keyboard cables. Um, but I've used Limo connectors. They're really high quality, uh, you know, medical or aeronautical um, engineering uh, spec parts. Um, they're not cheap, but they're really, really nice. And so if you need something uh, that has push-pull connect, inline is solid and rugged and uh, weatherproof, uh, Limos are awesome. Uh, and they come in a whole bunch of different sizes and pin counts. So uh, I show them off here how to find them, inspect them, and don't forget, you need both halves. Okay. Next up, we have JP's Product Pick of the Week. This is, I think, one of the only shows that broadcasts live from a product page. Within the page. Within the page itself. And there's a discount just for that product. You don't even need to do a discount code. And uh, this week's video, JP, take it away. Rotary Trinky. It is a USB plug-and-play rotary encoder board that also has a NeoPixel for feedback and a capacitive touch for additional input. This sends USB HID commands. I can adjust that frame forward, frame advance, one frame at a time. I uh, programmed this to turn on closed captioning when I click the little button. I've also set the cap touch slider as a play pause. It is the Rotary Trinky. It's a USB rotary encoder that plugs right into your computer and allows you to use a rotary encoder, click and touch pad. The cool thing about JP is I, I give him this rotary trinky art and I'm just like, hey, you know, use it for stuff. He really uses it. For he uses the heck out All of right. it. Um, also, JP's workshop is on Thursdays. Uh, here's a little bit of a preview of a project that uh, we showed on Show and Tell, but he also just sent me over the video, so now I'm going to share it with you. And a new feature we're doing now is the CircuitPython Parsec with JP. It's do make code minute, and it only uh, would end up as a minute once in a while. It was usually like two minutes, but the CircuitPython Parsec doesn't have really a, a time thing. So here's a little two-minute video on a okay. special tip with CircuitPython from JP's show. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I wanted to talk about analog output. So we've talked about digital in, digital out, analog in, and now analog out. So these general purpose in-out pins, I'm in this case using the Cutie Pie, the, a lot of these pins can serve many different duties. In the case of this board, the A0 pin can act as an analog output. So that's a digital, digital to analog converter, DAC. What that means is we can send it commands and it will send a voltage varying from 0 to 3.3 volts, which is the range that this board can do on those pins. The 
code that you need to do that is very straightforward. So I'm importing time so that we can do pauses, importing board so that we get the pin definitions, and I'm importing the analog IO library. Then I set up my analog pin by calling this analog out equals analog IO dot analog out, and then name the pin, in this case, board A0. That's the pin that I have this yellow wire plugged into that's running to one terminal on this meter. And then my black pin there is going to ground and the other uh, terminal on the meter. And then in code here, I've just set up a little uh, variable that's the maximum value. So in this case, 65,535 is the maximum value that that can go to, which equates to its top voltage. And then I also set one up for half of that, an integer of half of that. Uh, then in my code, all I'm doing to test this out, what I'm doing is I'm sending the value of zero, waiting a second, sending that half value, and that's when you'll see it ping up here in a second. It'll jump up, boop, half, then full, boop, then drop it to medium, drop it to zero. And then I'm using this little range uh, for loop to sweep through every value pretty quickly, and then drop by uh, subtracting one from that so that we uh, drop down back down to zero. And so that is how you can use an analog output inside of CircuitPython. And that is your CircuitPython Parsec. Okay, and tomorrow is Deep Dive with Scott. You're saying, oh, he's usually on Fridays. Yep, but Monday's a holiday and Friday's taking off. Uh, Scott's long, taking off on weekend, Friday. Yeah. So it is tomorrow, not Friday this yep. week. All right, time travel. There is a whole bunch of stuff going on in the world, and uh, specifically, stuff, um, <laughs> you know, a while ago we showed the the Lobe Kit. Um, mm -hmm. We teamed up with Microsoft, and it's a really easy to use uh, machine learning training system that you can train models on it, and then you can deploy it onto a Raspberry Pi using an Adafruit Braincraft hat. And uh, we weren't allowed to talk about this till now. Nope. Um, but the Microsoft folks uh, contacted us, and uh, there's an event they do every year called Microsoft Build. And if you haven't checked it out, please do. Today, I would say you have to watch the Scott Hanselman and Friends uh, keynote He's segment. He's funny. They're all funny. And also... It's actually um, like Friends. It's like Friends, but so but a keynote I've seen, been, talk. and been part of, and had to, and have had to help write it or like produce keynote stuff. This was really good. Um, and they asked Adafruit if we would... Um, show some cool stuff and Kevin Scott, the CTO, um, the Lobe team, um, we all figured out a really cool demo um, that's real, that's helpful, that's useful, that has all sorts of things if you look at um, that's good for AI and ML. And so um, it's six minutes altogether. This is a little bit longer of a video than we normally play, um, but I grabbed it real fast and uh, you'll be able to see uh, the intro from the CTO of Microsoft and then this special filming that we did. And this, you know, for us, it was kind of a big deal because the first time that we were able to do filming again with our entire team um, and have them here at the factory. So anyways, uh, check it out. And uh, the rest of the build videos are going to be on the Microsoft dev channel. Um, but this is a clip from today's keynote with the CTO of Microsoft and our lady Anna. Thanks, Ben. I'm amazed by what you and Jacob have created so far and really can't wait to see what you'll do next. 
Ben mentioned how excited he was to use a variety of home IoT devices to create immersive new experiences. The potential for using the combined power of the intelligent cloud and edge to program for a wide variety of IoT and edge devices is going to increase exponentially in the coming years. The opportunity for developers to create on this new ecosystem is going to be enormous. It's incredible to see what makers are already doing with technology and how powerful the hardware and software for innovating on the edge is becoming. I suspect that any of you who are part of that group will already be pretty familiar with our next guest and their work. MIT engineer Limor Fried founded Adafruit in 2005 with a goal to create the best place online for learning electronics and creating products for makers of all ages and skill levels. Today, Adafruit is one of the fastest growing US-based manufacturing companies, a certified minority and woman-owned business enterprise, and one of the biggest names in the maker world, creating phenomenally popular community-driven products and code. Let's join Lee Moore to learn more about how you can get started programming machine learning at the edge with Adafruit and Microsoft technology today. Hi everybody, it's me, Lady Ada, and I'm here at the Adafruit factory in downtown Manhattan, where we manufacture all of our electronic goodies, from accessories for the Arduino or Raspberry Pi boards, to our very own Feather and Circuit Playground Express. And we have a huge community of makers and engineers as well, with almost 30,000 Discord members, 1,500 GitHub repos, and weekly live shows almost every single day. So we have a lot of insight into what makers and engineers are doing with our products, and we're always so impressed with how creative they can be. I'm going to show you a demo using an Adafruit BrainCraft hat for Raspberry Pi and Microsoft Lobe. The BrainCraft hat fits on top of the Raspberry Pi 4 and makes it really easy to connect hardware and debug your machine learning projects. There's a 240 by 240 color display so you can see what the camera sees, which is great for vision projects. There's two microphones for audio input and then GPIO ports so you can connect things like relays, servos, LEDs, or other mechanical devices that you want to control from your Raspberry Pi. Microsoft Lobe is a free tool that you can use to create and train machine learning models that you can then deploy almost anywhere. This takes care of the hardest part of machine learning, which is creating and training a new model. I've been playing with the idea of using a Raspberry Pi, the BrainCraft hat, and a Raspberry Pi camera to recognize these delicious baked goods from my local deli. Now these baked goods don't have QR codes or barcodes, and so that's why using a camera with vision recognition would be an excellent way to identify and price each individual baked good. Let's show how easy it is to use Microsoft Lobe to train a new machine learning model. We're gonna create a new project called the Lobe Bakery. Now it's time to import image data. Click on import and select your webcam. Now it's time to train the model on different images of baked goods. Let's start with the cinnamon roll. Place the object you want to train in front of the camera and select the label that you want for these images. Now take about 20 images of your baked good. You'll want different poses, angles, maybe flip it upside down. Okay, I've got about 20 images of this cinnamon roll. I'm gonna continue doing this for each one of my baked goods. After I verified that my model is correctly identifying all of my delicious baked goods, it's time to export that model. Go to the export tab and you can see all the options. You can create a web app, you can export it to TensorFlow, to JavaScript, you can even make your very own REST server, web app, or run it on a mobile phone using iOS or Android. 
In our case, we want to export it to a TensorFlow Lite model file that we'll then copy over to our Raspberry Pi. Let's start by SSHing into the Raspberry Pi. Then CD into the directory where I've downloaded the software. Now you can run the basic prediction project that's written in Python. Because I've already deployed the model, it's going to immediately start doing predictions based on one the Raspberry Pi camera sees. To start, it sees nothing. But when I put a cinnamon roll in front, the text will update, telling me the confidence and the label of the object detected. I can also try a cross bun or a bagel. Now, because we've deployed our machine learning model onto a Raspberry Pi, it means it's really easy for us to connect all sorts of other cool hardware. So I've got, in addition to the display, three LEDs that are gonna glow green when something is detected. I've got a speaker and some text-to-speech code that's going to speak out what's detected. And I've even got a receipt printer hooked up that'll print out the product and the price. So let's try it with the cross bun. Cross bun. Or my favorite, the cinnamon roll. Cinnamon roll. Or the bagel. There you go. Thanks, Loeb. We sell the BrainCraft hat in machine learning kit for Loeb at the Adafruit shop, and we've got tons of tutorials to get you started on your machine learning journey. Now that you've seen how easy it is, I can't wait to see what kind of creative projects you come up with. Thank you to Microsoft and Loeb for making machine learning training so easy. Now back to you, Kevin. Thank you, Lee Moore. I actually took a shot at building an Adafruit Loeb project of my own. The device that I was working on when you all first joined me was a little computer vision system built on an Adafruit Raspberry Pi Loeb kit running a Vision ML model trained with Microsoft Loeb. It will keep an eye on me when my monitor is engaged and remind me to get up and move around a little bit every 15 minutes or so. I started my engineering career over 30 years ago designing electronic control systems and writing embedded software. I'm just stunned by how capable these systems are today and how much I'm able to do just tinkering around in my spare time. Like I seriously just put this little device together in a couple of hours over the weekend. All right, and I want to thank everyone at uh, Microsoft who helped us out with this and then also- And the local bakery, the, yeah, delicious. The, the approach that Microsoft is taking with AI and machine learning, because um, we have a lot of choices on who we work with and what we do, uh, we really like. It aligns very closely with our values. And we also wanted to come up with a demo that could be relevant, could show how all these things can work together, how it could be machine learning on the edge. So that wasn't interconnected. Um, it doesn't need to be either. Um, and it was something that we could show. And as soon as you see it, you're like, oh, I get what this is now. And also, uh, very young people could uh, help out with different parts of it. Uh, not just the coding, but like, you know, the cap imaging, uh, capture and all that. So we have yeah. some more surprises ahead mm. with machine learning and AI. Um, but uh, once again, thank you everyone who worked on Loeb and Microsoft. And thanks for including us in their very uh, cool and important event today. Yay! Next up. It was um, so tasty. Yeah, and we <laughs> ate the props afterwards. I ate the evidence. <laughs> so, um, quick Adabox update. Uh, I've said this on a few shows, but just a bit of a reminder. So, if you are getting an Adabox in Europe, that was your last one. We'll have an email out to in you. In the UK. In the UK. They're not part uh, of Europe anymore. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard. <laughs> yeah. And um, you'll get an email about it. We don't charge until we ship, so don't worry about that. We have just two people that were on gift subscriptions. They're getting those all the way to the end. Uh, we have to put pause on international shipping for Adabox for a while just because everything has changed recently. Don't worry, we're still doing it in the US, and that just means we can add more uh, folks in, in the US. Yeah. And so um, 
please go to adabox.com, sign up. Um, we'll be adding even more slots, but this will be for North America. Next up. Uh, big news, um, Hackaday, Tindy, which are part of Supply Frame, yes. were sold to Siemens. So, I have questions. You've got questions. And you might have questions about we're this. We're going to get answers. And so I reached out to the or Siemens PR folks, and they said, yeah, sure, send your questions. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just on a personal note, just so folks know, um, I founded Hackaday, and I designed the logo over there, and the look of the site and all those things. And uh, I have nothing to do with it now. And so obviously I have some like questions about the future because um, now my little skull kit is 17 years old. The site's 17 years old. Oh man, it can drive. And it can do all sorts of things. Oh boy. Um, and uh, I want to find out for the community, what does that mean for Tindy sellers? What does it mean for the editorial at Hackaday? What does it mean for the staff? And then also, you know, in a bigger picture thing, what does it mean in this industry consolidation that's going on with large entities? Now, a lot of people don't know what Supply Frame does. Basically, it runs like Fine Chips. It's like an advertising company, essentially, for chips. Yeah. Right? And so um, they did a really good job uh, maintaining Hackaday, giving it resources. Um, good job with Tindy. People were able to start small businesses. So if you have any questions you want me to ask Siemens, email ptdatafruit.com. Um, folks have, and I think I got some good ones. Um, but I also want to make sure that they let us all know, because um, they bought a community. Hackaday IO is a community. Uh, Supercon's a community. All the things that we do um, with like Tindy, it's a community. So that's one of the things that um, I'm sure they know they bought a community, um, but I want to find out what it means to them and what it means to all of us. So send your questions my way. I'm going to be sending them over pretty soon. Um, I think it's super cool that they're even, you know, they even replied back to my email. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes and I'll uh, post them up on our blog soon. Yep. Okay, Collins Lab is something that we release every single day. You have something to look forward to pretty much every day. No matter how good or bad your day is. That's right. There's a Collins Labs note. So we're going to just play these back to back. They're a minute each. See you on the other side. The ESP32-S2 Rover is a low power 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi module with a bunch of additional features in a compact RF shielded package. A couple of minutes with a hot air rework station will allow us to take a peek inside. And inside we find, that's right, more electronics. Arranged in what appears to be the aerial view of an office parking lot. Specifically, we can see Clusters of passive components outlined by registration marks, the actual ESP32 S2 chip, its timing crystal, and finally the PSRAM and flash memory chips. If you need to locate a specific pin on a chip, you first start with pin number one and count up from there. To find that first pin, look for a marker on the chip's surface often in the form of a dot in the upper left-hand corner, or a U-shaped notch, or both, or a printed symbol. It does tend to vary. On top of that, many chips have additional unrelated circular indentations, just to make things a bit more confusing. In any case, we have our dot. Pin 1 is always going to be to the left of that marker and moving counterclockwise from there, the pin numbers always increase. 
So this 28-pin chip in a dual inline package counts to 14 while going down the left side, then jumps over to the right and counts up to 28. Often when something mysteriously stops working, a blown fuse is to blame. Fuses protect devices from too much current, bravely sacrificing themselves to keep your electronics safe. Fortunately, they're inexpensive and easy to replace. You can tell when a glass fuse needs replacing by looking to see if the inner wire conductor is broken. But ceramic fuses are a bit more... opaque. You can always use a multimeter's continuity test to check the fuse. Remove the fuse from its original circuit. Then set your multimeter to continuity beep mode and make sure it's working. Then connect one lead to each side of the fuse. If you don't hear a beep, that means the fuse is beat, so you should replace it. But if you do hear a tone, then this fuse ain't blown. Yeah, this one's still good. If you've ever put together a circuit to drive a solenoid, you may have noticed there's two essential parts. A big transistor that can drive the large amount of current, and a diode. The transistor makes sense, but why do we need the diode? Well, if you look inside of a solenoid, you can see that it's made of many turns of coiled wire. Just like an inductor, which is also made of many turns of coiled wire. And when you cut off current to an inductor, it throws a fit and generates a spike in voltage, which can be useful when constructing a voltage booster. But a spike like that from our solenoid could easily damage the driver and connected circuitry. That's where the diode comes into play. Adding a diode across the solenoid's leads prevents the voltage from getting too high, directing it away from the power rails, keeping our circuit nice and safe. Working with wireless electronics means thinking about antennas. Some electronics include antennas built in, but some, like this LoRa module, need an external one added. You can buy an antenna, but you can also get by using a simple quarter-wave monopole made with wire, snips, and a little math. First, find the wavelength lambda with this equation, where c is the speed of light, about 300 million meters per second, and f is the frequency of the signal you're working with, in this case, 915 megahertz. We just need a quarter of that wavelength, so divide it by four. And the result is the length of our quarter wave monopole antenna. Cut that length in wire, solder one end to your antenna feed, and you're ready to radio. All right, and other bits of time traveling. Um, this is a cool video from Philby. This video explains well, why electronics could influence environmental yeah, sensors. Environmental. Environmental sensors. Environmental, Wait, environmental environment can affect your sensors. That's right, I got it reverse. Okay. The environment can affect your sensors, not the electronic can affect your sensors, but that could happen too. That could happen too. Anyways, take it away anyway, full just watch the video. Hey, remember this method for measuring NeoPixel PWM timing? Watch this. Ah, chilled NeoPixels. Notice the PWM timing. It's around 1.2 kilohertz. Warm them up a bit and that number changes. Now it's around 1.3 kilohertz. We think of digital circuits as this very regimented thing, but really there can be analog influences behind the scenes. It could be temperature or supply voltage, barometric pressure or ambient light. It's usually harmless, but there are edge cases. 
the Joniac computer had lights installed inside the cabinet because the vacuum tubes weren't reliable in the dark. Your Burning Man project that worked fine on the kitchen table but failed when you got out to the desert because you thought you didn't need level shifting. It's also why your smoke alarm always starts beeping at 3 a.m. because it's colder overnight and the battery voltage varies slightly with temperature. Okay, jobs.adafruit.com. It is the place where you can post your skills and get a job or if you're a cool company and you want to hire someone, in the maker world, you can post your job there. Do both. This week, we have two. Manufacturing assistant full-time at Evil Mad Scientists. Oh, no, no. Sunnyvale, California. They must be firing their cats. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're, the cats are still working there. Okay. Um, but uh, they want a manufacturing assistant full-time. We know them. We like them. Lenore and Waddell are great. I would suggest working with them. Um, and the if you were, if it's it is an in-person job there in Sunnyvale, yeah. California, and then the other one is a contract job at University of Massachusetts Dartmouth, full-time lecturer position in embedded systems. Ooh, design. that could be fun. That could be super fun. So check that out. Jobs.adafruit.com. Lady Ada and I look at each job. We make sure it's legit, and then we uh, release it, and then you can apply for it. Step Adafruit.io. We have a very cool I/O update. Um, it is a preview of Whippersnapper. Take it away, Brent. In the last video, I showed Whippersnapper, our IoT no-code platform with the Adafruit Funhouse, and I configured three different buttons, and if you press them, they show the status of the button. Now, we're going to visualize it with an Adafruit IO dashboard. Each component on an Adafruit IO Whippersnapper device is a feed on Adafruit IO. So if we add a new block to the dashboard, let's say a gauge block, and we scroll down to where the funhouse is and we click the select button, next step. And it's only going from zero to one because it's a digital component. And we make the block nice and wide. We'll click create block and we'll move it up, make it a little bit larger. And then whenever I press the button, the gauge's value will change. And it will also be reflected on the device. Next up, it's time. Python on Hardware Time. Yes. We have a newsletter. You can sign up for it at adafruitdaily.com. Yes. And I'm um, going to show a little bit about it. I'm going to save this part for the end because I have a separate thing that okay. I'm going to do with this. All right. So we're going to skip to this part. Um, over on Tom's Hardware, they covered the um, MicroPython and CircuitPython merge which is kind of cool. Mm. Um, we have more and more of MicroPython and CircuitPython. We're all caught up. Coming, coming together. Yeah. Snake friend. Um, this young person showed how to mix MicroPython and CircuitPython code in the same file using Raspberry Pi Pico. You can check out um, some of the Pimeroni CircuitPython they've baked in to their um, platform to tech libraries and their MicroPython helper library. As we uh, talked about, uh, on show and tell, um, one of the new features we have is you can disable this CircuitPython USB devices in boot.py. So basically, like in 7, um, it's easier and better to use it as like a keyboard or an HID device. So this is really cool. Um, just make sure you know what you're doing with some of this stuff. Um, and then uh, you can see our Desk of Lady Ada coverage. And when we talked about the RP2040 Trinky, um, mm. we'll have that out soon. 
And then um, do check out the giant amount of Python on Hardware News uh, from Recaps from Wait, Icon. It's Scott hanging out with a purple snake and then a purple lady hanging out with a Scott snake. <laughs> I thought this was kind of neat. Um, guy, in the, guy in the middle, just guy like, in the middle hey. you're missing a snake. <laughs> yeah, where's, um, where's your purple something or snake I something? thought this was cool, yeah, but uh, I thought this image was neat. This is uh, from the Python Software Foundation um, language. No um, real snakes were harmed in any the, of these photos. <laughs> no, um, from the uh, Language Summit Lightning Talks, so check that out. So we have all of those things, and you can uh, get a recap from the Deep Dive with Scott and many other things. So there is so many keyboard projects and so many different Python things, and then um, the creator of Python just did uh, some recent interviews. We posted up that, and uh, there were some follow-up stories, and we have those as well. Um, so check this out. Uh, I guess okay. one one big uh, headline or uh, phrase is uh, believe it or not from Hacker News and the oh, quote no, not yeah, the art site. yeah the, well so the the quote is CircuitPython is my go-to for teaching people how to program um, and read the whole story but you can start to see what we've been seeing because we're like you know we, we pay very close attention to what the community says why they like the stuff we do and it's it's become the tool or the thing to get people started so quickly. And even for kind of a tough crowd, which I'd say Hacker News is, um, high praise. Mm. So anyways, check that out and check out all the news and more. Um, we're almost up to 9,000 subscribers. So if you haven't, please uh, sign up on adafruitdaily.com. One of the things we do is it's completely disconnected from our shopping site because we don't like when we go to shopping sites and then someone all of a sudden starts sending us newsletters. We do not like that. Nope. So you go to adafruitdaily.com, we'll never spam you and you get the newsletter. So the big news for this week is um, TI, who makes these calculators, this is a TI-84. Now in color, the compared one, to the ones I remember. The one that's kid, coming out color, yeah. has a fork of CircuitPython on it. And we were like, huh, that's interesting. And apparently a teacher already got it. And they were like, yep. And they tweeted about it. And then we're like, that's interesting. We, like, we want to know more. Um, a friend of ours. Uh, well, friend now, uh, chatted with TI and was on their live chat and says, what are all the modules included with it? And they sent me a screenshot of their chat and I'm like, this is looking pretty good. It looks like this is real. Mm. A fork of CircuitPython is mm. shipping on TI-84 calculators mm. from all of them. Then they tweeted back at us and says, hi, our Python app on the TI-84 plus CE Python uses CircuitPython with some modifications. The other components of the apps were developed by us, the TI-84 plus CE Python Graphing calculators are coming soon in the U.S. and we will be available for the back to school season. So the big news, nice. the big news for us is um, we uh, we emailed with them and they said I can interview their developers. So I'm going to find out why they chose it, why they chose to uh, have Forkus Circuit Python on there, and more. So this is kind of a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. Open source hardware. Uh, you know we do open source so much so that TI can come along. Fork Circuit Python and put on our calculators, but we also do. Um, Wait, did we end that the Circuit Python? Yeah, that's it. Okay, great. That was it. Sorry. Oh, you know what? I was supposed I was supposed to show the little thing at the end. Yeah, so yeah it's right. not a big deal, but. Yeah, all right. I know protocols. Okay. Yeah, okay. Anyways, that's how you know right. the segment is over. Right. This yeah. segment now, now on. starts anew. Anew. Um, so we have uh, 2,482 guides. We got yes. a lot. What's uh, on the big board this week, Lydia? Okay, so this week. Uh, we've got a Neo Trinky case from Noah and Pedro. We'll uh, have a video for that, I think, next week. Um, we've got Katni published um, 
the guides for the iSport CQT rotary encoder. So that was a couple weeks ago, new product. The Neoki Trinky. Uh, she's working on the rotary Trinky next. So that'll be coming out soon. Dan wrote a guide about how to customize USB devices in CircuitPython so you can turn off the mass storage or REPL CDC display. Uh, sorry, the, the CDC connectivity. Um, this is really handy for people making um, keyboards or like user interface devices where they don't want the mass storage to show up because it can confuse people or they don't want people to mess with the code. Um, or if they don't want the REPL because they want only one USB serial port and they don't want it to be REPL connected. So you, basically you can now customize what, whether you have MIDI or HID or mass storage or REPL. Um, and Dan goes through that as well as what to do if you accidentally turn everything off and now you're completely locked out of your device. Uh, so um, check out that guide. It's in 7.0, so it's very new uh, right now. But um, if you have a device and you would like to, with CircuitPython, you'd like to turn off um, certain USB uh, descriptors, you can go check that out. I uh, also got some updated guides for the MagTag and the ESP32-S2. Now with pretty pins, we got the pretty pin stuff. Um, we got that guide that Melissa wrote for how to put Blinka uh, onto MicroPython so you can run CircuitPython libraries on a MicroPython device. Uh, we actually started Blinka with that. That was the original point of Blinka was to have our CircuitPython libraries run on the Pi board. Um, but since then, you know, it kind of ended up turning into a Linux implementation, which is good. We went back, cleaned it up, made sure it still works on MicroPython, and especially added the implementation for the Raspberry Pi Pico. Also, Dylan wrote an awesome, huge project on making an Adafruit IO, IoT hub with the Funhouse. So if you don't want to run Fun, you don't want to run Home Assistant, you kind of want to make your own Home Assistant project, uh, check out that guide. Uh, she's got like a bunch of projects, um, different boards that can connect to the Funhouse and then send data back and forth to it as like a hub. So it's like intense. So. Definitely like make a cup of tea and then uh, tune into that guide, read it all through. Okay. That's our so, guides. Tune in for more next week. Getting close to the 2,500. Where are we at now? 2,482. Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna Getting hit close. it in the next couple of weeks. Getting close. All right, some mean New York City factory footage.
and it wouldn't be New York City factory footage without some of the time lapse of what's going on across the street. Disney's building something. Um, apparently, now, because I got an update, the, the bees, because uh, of this construction, there's, the bees are moving around. Oh, the, the bees are related maybe, to the construction? Maybe, yeah, okay. so I'll find out more, but anyways. Okay, well, tell us about bees. Yeah. All right, 3D printing is next. Yep. All right, we got two videos. We're gonna play them back to back. First is the Funhouse video that Noah Pedro put together, and then a speed up. See you on the other side. Hey, what's up, folks? We're taking a look at the Adafruit Funhouse. It's a dev board that's designed for IoT and home automation projects. With a built-in display and sensors, you can easily make Wi-Fi projects in CircuitPython or Arduino. It features the ESP32-S2, a TFT display, cap touch pad, sensors, and a speaker buzzer. On the front of the board, there's a built-in humidity, barometric, and temperature sensor so we can sense the environment around you. With onboard Stemma QT, you can easily plug and play I2C sensors to expand your projects. You can also connect relays and breakbeam sensors using the 3-pin JST ports on the side. We 3D printed the stand with the yellow brick road theme to complement the amazing silkscreen from Phil B. With Adafruit I.O., you can create an IoT door alarm using a magnetic switch and get email notifications on your mobile device. Head over to circuitpython.org and get your Funhouse board ready to install CircuitPython. Click on the board and select your preferred language in the drop-down menu. Then click the Download UF2 button. Double-press the Reset button to get the board into the bootloader mode. The NeoPixels will flash and the display will show a friendly splash screen. Then just drag and drop the UF2 file onto the USB drive. The firmware will automatically install and restart the board. You can then toss any images, library files, and your code onto the CircuitPi USB drive. Be sure to check out the Funhouse Learn Guides for project inspiration, documentation, and example code. CircuitPython makes it easy for folks who are just getting started with electronics and programming. So if you're looking for a way to automate your projects at home, we hope you're inspired to check out the Adafruit Funhouse in CircuitPython. Three D hangouts with Noah and Pedro. That's when you watch it. All right, lady, it's time. That's right. This week's Ion MPI brought to you by DigiKey. Adafruit is from Omron. That's right. What do they do? What do they make? What is the MPI this Okay, week? so Omron does a lot of automation and sensing. So a lot of times when you have sensors for robotics or automation or factories, it's going to be an Omron sensor. Like our pick and place and, and board stenciler and board placer, they all use a lot of Omron sensors. So uh, you That's know, the Omron siren. Every time we say Omron, make some noise. I know. We need a party. Um, it's Until a we're live in New York. It's, it's in New York City and there's... But uh, so this week I, I saw this pop up on INMPI and it's like sometimes we have INMPIs that are like really like incredibly complicated, advanced, like single board computer, like machine learning 
time of flight cameras. And sometimes it's like, here's a sensor that's just really useful. So this week's sensor is just really useful. So this is the uh, B35WDB series. So let's go check it out. This is a, like a brake beam sensor. It's a, a diffuse infrared sensor. Um, that's just kind of really well made and uh, has a distance range of, it says, you know, 550, mil 550 millimeters or about half a meter. Um, but you can actually kind of go up to 800 millimeters or about 0.8 meters, uh, depending on the material that you're um, uh, detecting. Uh, it doesn't do um, distance. It doesn't, it just do, does whether something is in the path of the beam. So it's a diffuse reflective sensor. Uh, right now, there's only one model. It's a, the NPM input. You see the distance is, you know, 550, uh, super miniature. Um, and it's a, got, got a nice mounting system, which I'll show in a bit. Uh, using it's really easy. It's got three terminal connections, one power that, that wires, uh, that powers the sensor, the LED and sensing circuit, um, then ground, which is, you know, the power and signal ground, and then there's a load output, and you can see there's just an NPN uh, transistor. So you can sync, you know, I think probably about 100 milliamps or so through it. Uh, not good for inductive loads, but you could use this to, say, power a relay or, sorry, a transistor that could uh, control the relay or control the solenoid um, that you want to power. But for just like an LED indicator, you know, definitely this would be able to, to power that. Um, so the um, distance, so in this case, you know, sensing it with white paper, uh, you'll see it, it's it's good from you know, zero to oh, yeah, close to but not quite one meter. Um, the reason they'll say you know 550 milliliter, millimeters is because of the the color and reflectivity. Um, so this sensor is interesting. Apparently, it can detect even clear materials, which is uh, kind of neat. Some IR sensors don't work well with glass, but um, this can handle even uh, transparent or translucent materials. Um, the uh, you know, the documentation is really good. Uh, the CAD file has um, a lot of details. Uh, so you'll see here something interesting. You know, you, 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 it's small. It's like an inch or so wide. And then the mounting holes, um, it, they go both ways, both lateral and vertical. So you can kind of mount it any which way you like, which is kind of sweet. And on the bottom, there's a plug and there's um, a cable that you can get. Uh, it's got the, a JST. I don't remember the exact. Let me go to that. Yeah. It's the EE5002. Uh, cable, so this, has, this is a pre-made cable assembly, you plug it in, or you know, you can just make your own cable. Uh, this is the GHR series, it's a little latch plug-in cable. Um, your choice, either way, you just plug into the bottom and you're ready to go. Available on DigiKey, because that's this segment, NPI, the, all the new things on DigiKey, you can get this on the website. The short URL is digikey.com forward slash short forward slash TD0DH439, or you can search for it with the product number up at the top there. Yeah. And let's uh, show this off. Yeah, so I'll show this off. So actually I opened this this one up. So usually it has a very nice uh, cover, which I, it's, it's actually a very nice sealed cover. Uh, and uh, I wanted to show it. So you can actually even see the um, transmission uh, diode here, and then there's the uh, receiving diode, and then there's like a little bridge in the between. Um, and these are, are tuned to be, you know, to, to not interfere with each other. And then, you know, when I put my hand in front, you can see this uh, indicator LED, which I've wired to the output, turns on. So it's really simple. But yeah, what I really liked about this is you see that there's these mounting holes. And then if you turn it, there's another set of mounting holes. So they did like this cool, like either way, you know, however you want to connect it. Um, very compact, uh, very easy to use. And uh, a longer distance than most 
uh, proximity sensors, right? A lot of sensors, they're good for, you know, maybe you know, 200 millimeters or so. So I was impressed that this was, for not too much money, you get something that can go up to, you know, half a meter or more. Um, but a very simple, very effective sensor. I tell you, you really don't want a, an object sensor that's flaky. Like, it has to be very reliable, because if you mess up even once, you might, that, you know, an object might go past your conveyor belt or you might not uh, hit the safety interlock. So even though it's like a very simple sensing element, you really want it to do a very good job in all sorts of light conditions and all sorts of you know, environmental conditions. You saw that video earlier about how temperature and humidity can affect uh, your sensing elements. But Amaran has been really doing this for decades. It's trustworthy. I mean, like you can use this, it's reliable, it's high quality. Um, it's gonna do the job, it's gonna do it right every single time. All right, and that is this week's Ion MPI, Kijiki and Adafruit. Okay, before we get to new products, I just want okay. to remind everybody we have code. this code just for this hour. So start loading up stuff in the cart and get ready to check out. We're back to code. Let's uh, do this. Ready, yep. Elena? All right, the first one is a come in snoon soon. Come in snoon. <laughs> yeah, we got the POE plus hat. This is the new POE hat from Raspberry Pi. Uh, I think we even have some of the old version. This version, it's like much slimmer. It's got this cool uh, lateral transformer. I think they've improved the design even a little bit. It's still got that fan in the middle. It's a pretty sweet POE hat. Um, they're not in stock. Uh, nobody has them in stock because they are still being Yes, please be careful because a lot of websites will let you back order stuff and they don't pay have for them. it, but they don't have it. So just sign up on our site. We'll so let you know. You'll get an moment. email, and then when you buy it, it's actually because you're going to get it shipped it's immediately. It's the real thing. Okay. Here we have. So it lets you basically, you have a Raspberry Pi 3B Plus or a 4. You plug this in, and then you can power the Raspberry Pi through the Ethernet port uh, if you have a POE hub, which a lot of people do. Yeah, next up. Okay, next up uh, is this really adorable uh, woven cable. We have had this cable with a micro B connector on the end, and uh, now we have it with a USB-C connector on the end. So you have a USB-A on one side, USB-C on the other. It's two meters long. It's really cool. It's got this Blinka pink and purple color way. I don't know. It's yeah. a very nice cable. Um, what I like about this cable is it stands out against all your other cables, which yes. are all black plastic. All right, next up. Next up, we have an 80-watt uh, soldering station from Atten. Um, I really like these quality uh, soldering stations. Uh, this one has a bunch of stuff built in, in addition to the soldering iron and 80-watt, which is connected, and the adjustable dial for temperature and the digital temperature readout. It's also got the brass sponge. All y'all like it. There's little holders on the side. There's four slots or five slots or four um, HACO-compatible tips, and it also has a uh, solder roll holder, so it's kind of got everything, and it heats up super, super fast. So um, if you want a soldering iron that you turn it on and it's like instantly ready to go, an adjustable temperature, um, these are very high quality, and of course you can change out the tips quite easily. Next up. Uh, next up, uh, to go with your POE hat, here is a, a terminal block to Ethernet jack. We have these with the opposite connectivity, the plug type. And some people are like, oh, I really like that, but I want the jack type. So let me grab it one moment. I will show it on the overhead just because it's got a, it's got an interesting thing going on here. So uh, Ethernet, it, it's actually not Ethernet, it's RJ45. You can use it for Ethernet, you can use it for anything else. In fact, I wouldn't recommend it necessarily if you're using it for Ethernet because you're going to like have the wires come out. 
But if you want to use Ethernet cable, Cat5, Cat6 cable, for uh, sensors for making your uh, I2C cables really long, for whatever, analog signals, as long as you're cool with the cable being very long, uh, and this has a nice um, pluggable terminal block. So this, this seats in very nicely, but you can easily unplug it if you need to like disconnect the wiring from the cable for some reason. Um, and we have these also in the plugged versions. This is the socket, okay, next up. RG45. Next up, we have this very tall case. I like this case. This is from Andes. They make these really beautiful cases. But what I like in particular about this one is how tall it is, because you can fit a lot of stuff in here. And it's got some nice vents as well. So yeah. hold on. We don't stock every case. We, Believe we're me, very choosy. Cases. So this is a good one to get. Yeah. It's got the clear top. Uh, the top is uh, acrylic, so you don't have to worry about, you know, Wi-Fi signal can come out this way. It's got uh, slots on the bottom, mounting holes over here. You can get to your uh, USB, sorry, the um, micro SD slot. This is a holes for the, the power LEDs, which are not on right now. Of course, uh, the Pi 4 um, audio and uh, power and the two HDMI outputs, and then, of course, the USB Ethernet. So it's all good. I mean, this would actually be great for your PoE hat, right? Because you can put that in here and you have room for hats or electronics inside. Because it's extra tall, but you still get that protective cover, but you can see through and see how your display is looking, your OLED, e-ink, whatever. Um, I don't know, I really like it. It's a very nice case made out of aluminum and clear acrylic. Next up. Next up, finally from Nordic. We've been waiting for this. To get this. We got this. So from Nordic, um, we now have the Thingy 91. So we've got the, the NRF 91 Feather, but I actually kind of liked their dev kit for this because it's kind of cool. It's got this rubber case. And let's, uh, let's go to the overhead. I'll, I'll show it off. You got this rubbery case, which I can extract this. And it's got this plastic. Hold on. It's not that hard to remove. It's just hard to do it on camera. We're tired. Well, no, it's just, I, I don't know. Really We're also much. tired. Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so the NRF91, this is their, um, I think it's a Cortex-M4 dual core with a cellular modem inside, LTE modem. This is a SIM card slot. I think it comes with a SIM card as well, which you can activate. This is, of course, data. It's not, there's no audio that I can see anywhere here. Uh, but for data, it's great. There's an antenna. This is the um, NRF52. I believe there's an NRF52 on here as well somewhere. Uh, that you can program to control. Um, this is, does uh, NFC to to do the NFC pairing for the Bluetooth. I believe that's correct. Um, power switch, and then there's a bunch of sensors. Although I didn't think to open this ahead of time, so let me see if I can. Yeah, there's the. I think this is the Bluetooth antenna. Hold on. I'm gonna do something risky. I'm gonna try to open this. This is risky. This is very risky. This is a, probably a big mistake on my part. You're using a pen too, man. Yeah, I know. Oh. Shoot. Lucky this isn't live or anything. I know. Okay, wait, hold on. I have, I have even a worse tool. And my screwdriver set. Look, it's worth it. Welcome to bad ideas. This is bad ideas. <laughs> oh my god, it's connected on both sides. Okay, hold on. Okay. All right, so on the opposite side, uh, yeah, so we've got, I think this is like, it looks like a BME 280 or uh, BME 680. Um, this is the back of the antenna, USB power uh, battery. So it's got a rechargeable battery, of course. And then 
more sensors, probably like, you know, accelerometers and stuff. Looks like there's two um, RGB LEDs over here as well. So basically yeah, a like ton of circuitry. So when Lady Ada takes it away, she's using her supervision on her, on her eyes yes. to figure this out, but we can also zoom in. I can zoom in. I think this is a, uh, this looks like a light sensor as well. And then, yeah, these are probably accelerometer, gyro type things, um, environmental sensing. And then uh, this looks like NFC pairing, something yeah. like that. So, so, yeah, this is probably the NRF 52, I think 840 with a Bluetooth antenna and all the circuitry. So kind of, it's an all-in-one kit, which I really like. And then uh, here's the IMEI for the uh, device as well. All right, so uh, look, you want to do cellular stuff? I mean, yes, the, the, the Feather is really good, but this um, is their official supported dev kit for the NRF okay. 91. Next up. Okay. Next up, ooh, this is my favorite. So we finally got these two as well. This is the uh, PPK2. So this is the Power Profiler Kit. And this is something that like Nordic designed in-house for like measuring the power of their- We like this a lot. Cellular and Bluetooth boards, but then they're like, wow, this is really handy. We should sell this as a standalone thing. So this is like, it's like about a hundred bucks. It, this is the same capability of like, believe me, thousand dollar power monitors. This is an yeah. excellent power monitor. We have to use all of them. Well, the more expensive ones too. And yes, so this and is, I have the expensive ones and they're great. But this yeah. is like, if you are just doing basic battery, you know, zero to five volt power analysis for your ESP32 or your Wi-Fi or cellular or your Bluetooth, um, the PPK is a great deal um, because it comes with everything. It has a little built-in ammeter. It also has a built-in um, power supply, like it can supply the current to your device under test. And it comes with um, software, Mac, Windows, and Linux, and it works really wonderfully. I used it to do the mag tag. We did an eye on MPI. Analysis. We did on an eye on MPI on it. Yeah, we liked it so really much good. that we wanted to stock it. This is, this is like, yeah, this is a great deal. If you're doing anything with low power, stop guessing about what your low power is. Stop trying to use a multimeter. Just grab this because you'll be able to actually do analysis on spiky, uh, power transmission okay. or use cases. Next up. Next up. Uh, will this uh, cure all of your problems? Yes. Uh, you know, yeah, probably. It'll cure that ha not having a cat paw uh, keycap problem. Yeah. Um, so check this out. All right. So this is exactly what you think. It's a keycap for your Cherry MX keys. Um, and it's got super squishy silicone toe beans. These are not translucent toe beans. We do have one that has translucent ones. These are pink, yeah. which who doesn't love? This is Adafruit right. pink and black. And then you zoom down. I'll zoom in. I'll zoom in. Okay. okay. So yeah, this is, uh, you know, plug it onto any Cherry MX or compatible, you know, cross bar, basically any mechanical keyboard. And then it's like squishy and these toe beans are yeah. extremely enjoyable to, to pet or squish. And uh, if you have a cat, you know how much fun it is to do. When I can do it, even if your cat's not around. Yeah. Okay. Next up, star of the show tonight. Besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, and our team, is NeoKey One by Four QT. So, how to explain it? Basically, you want to add mechanical keys to your project. You don't want a ton. You maybe only want four key switches. You want new pixels with them, but you don't want to do all of the, like, the wiring for it. You want to have it over I squared C, and maybe also want to chain it with more of them, right? You can actually connect multiple of these. So this is a way of very quickly adding four mechanical keys with NeoPixels 
to any board, it has a Seesaw microcontroller on the underside, which does the I2C to NeoPixel and KeySwitch uh, conversions. So here I've got it. Okay, now i got to zoom back out. Zoom out. I've got my um, Cutie Pie here. So it's just something that has an I2C connection. And uh, this is running Arduino, but it works also with CircuitPython just fine, or, or Python, so you can use it with a Raspberry Pi, um, or what have you. And each key has a NeoPixel underneath, and this demo, just when you press it, it does a little NeoPixel color swirl. So that's, that's the demo, and you can have multiple keys pressed at a time. They have uh, Kale sockets, so these are socketed, so you can use any Cherry MX um, compatible key. This is, I think, uh, Cherry Black or Kale Black, I don't remember. Um, and then, of course, you put your favorite keycaps. Maybe it's a little kitten keycap, or maybe it's these translucent ones, so you get the glow through. And you basically have a, a very easy way to add four keycaps, key switches to your project. And then the I2C comes in. It, you know, this is the chip that handles all of the key presses and the NeoPixel stuff. And there's um, address jumpers here, so you can close these, which allow you to connect multiple boards to one I2C port. So you can have up to 16 of these on one I2C bus. So if you're not, you know, not enough to make a full 108 key keyboard, but if you're making like a macro pad, right? And you just want to really quickly get a bunch of keys together um, without, you know, much soldering. You just plug in your favorite mechanical key and uh, you have plenty of mounting hole options. So you've got uh, four mounting holes on the corner. You can also plug into a breadboard if you don't want to use these cables um, for easy perfording. I just think it's like a fun way to get mechanical keys into your project without any key matrix handling, without NeoPixel handling. It's all done for you. Okay, don't forget, because um, this code is going to go away soon. MS build, put all that stuff in the cart you just saw. Check out 10% off, only till tonight. Okay, yes. let's do some top secret. Um, but while we're doing top secret, load up your questions over on Discord. Um, I have a few ready to go, but let's do some top secret, Lady Ada. Yes. From the vault. All right, so out of the things that, uh, that are top secret this week, yeah. do you want to show the SPI friend? Do you want to show the STEM thing? Do you want to show the RP2040 stuff? Do you want to show, um, well, let, let's do this one. This is easy. Okay, Ying Tricky, you just emailed me one morning. You said, yeah. we should make an Ying Tricky. So I just, I just pulled together. Yeah. Let's show the first video, what are the SPI2040. I think okay. that, because I'm about we to We also have this, this slider snail. Wow, wow. Yeah, okay, wow. so let's do uh, the RP2040. Yeah, ones. the first video. Or you want to show all of them or just one? I'm not asking which ones are the most important for you. Just I'm show the first two. First yeah. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, I'm working on my Stemma friend. I've updated this board. If you remember, this was a SAMD21 with a display to like do I2C and analog stuff helping. And um, I'm updating it to an RP2040, but you'll notice the display is a little slow. And if you look on the oscilloscope, it's only transmitted in like one byte every you know couple microseconds. So what I'm doing is I'm upgrading the um, Arduino core from Phil Howard to add faster SPI to do uh, block writes instead of individual writes. So if I reset my board and then I load on, I already pre-compiled this, my fast SPI, you'll see boom, so fast and then on the oscilloscope, it's writing out big chunks at a time. So it's like 10 times faster. It's awesome. Faster screen updates, more data. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, for the I2C Stemma friend that I've been working on, it's got this 240 by 240 screen, and I thought 
Maybe it could be really useful also as a serial port monitor. So I wrote a little bit of Autobot detection code. Uh, so now if I connect this up to my GPS module, you'll see it automatically detects it 9600 baud and it actually like reads the data and displays it up to the buffer with this nice scrolling. Um, the scrolling is harder than it seems. I have to actually make a frame buffer for the entire display and then blit it out constantly. It's about like uh, 20 frames per second. Um, but it's quite nice, it has a nice scrolling effect and uh, it would be a great debugging tool uh, for say a GPS or you know maybe a Raspberry Pi, this works as well, with auto baud detection. It's kind of cool, so you don't have to enter in the baud rate. That's top secret. Okay, let's get to some questions. Back in the vault. Yeah. You secret stuff. They're very secret. Okay. Actually, the hardware revision too. <laughs> All right, questions. Uh, the questions that I have lined up, Lady Ada, yep. we'll get through these. Ooh, we got a bunch. Yeah, yeah let's get we'll get through them. these really fast. We're going to speed round it. Are you mm, ready? Mm. Okay. Um, how do you feel about using Fritzing application to map out a project? Yeah. It's a great idea. Do it. It can really help you visualize your project. Let me tell you something. Don't worry about the tools you used. If it works for you, it works for you. Yeah. I think in the past, people have said this is the only way to do it. And the term is like gatekeeping. And try these apps. Fritzing's free. Try it out. If it works for you, great. I know folks that still use PowerPoint as a way to do a bunch of like workflow stuff and like designing a project when there are other things that have come along, but they really know that tool. Um, next up, um, are you going to steal the semi-friend um, and release a code and uh, make it? Yes. Yeah, it's a future product. That's right. But when exactly? Well, had, it had to go through a revision. Okay. Um, with all this talk of rotary encoders, do you know what the spinner controls were for Tempest and what baud rate they might be needed? I have no idea, but I bet there's a community of people who oh, know. know. Yeah, there's, right. there's a Tempest community. This is a pretty long one, so you, they might need to post in the forums. I have a HCSR04 ultrasonic sender on my Raspberry Pi Pico board connected to four pin and the ground pins of VBus. I would like to connect the max 98, uh, 357A, 3 watt mono amp. I think this project, post this in the forum. This is it sounds like one. there's a lot going there's on There's a lot there. more after that, And yeah. you'll want to post maybe a diagram, maybe yeah. use Fritzing so we can see what you're doing and what your actual question is. And uh, how many things can the load kit with Raspberry Pi uh, set up to recognize? Now, here's the thing. It can recognize lots of different things, but only one thing at a time. Yes. So you can't put a bagel and a cinnamon roll underneath and, and have it get both at the same time. Um, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But you just do one thing at a time, and that was yeah. great for our demo. Um, next up, is there uh, any Pi hat to provide internet to a Pi 4 using GSM-based SIM card? I think there probably are. I would look for like a cellular hat, and there's probably someone who's designed one. Okay. Um, more of a philosophical question. Where do you think ARM is going to be in five years? I and think why? There, there's just, there are ARM chips everywhere. I mean, billions of chips. Why do you think they're so popular? Um... You know, very low power, easy to license. I was going to say the ease of licensing. I ease think of is licensing. The way. Um, you know, they they just are a little bit better than the 8051. But you know, people are still using 8051s. Okay. Next up, um, how can supply frame be worth 700 million? Well, it might not be a cash buy. Siemens might be giving them stock or something like that. But that is that is the price. And if they earned around 70 million in revenue. Um, last year or projected for this year, which was in the press release, usually software startups are 10x. 75 70 times 10 is 700 million. Um, a lot of people don't know that they do fine chips, and that's a, uh, it's a business that's an advertising model, and it's a software company. So that's probably why you're seeing that high price. Also, there's a ton of capital out there right now. People want to spend this money, and the prices probably went up for all these startups. Um, 
But it's like 10 years old, so it's not exactly a startup. Okay, um, already answered the LocKit one. Is there an option if I'm re interested in recreating a piano keyboard? Um, oh, for Loeb? No, that wouldn't work out quite yet. I think that's the question, because yeah. you would have to try to map all these things. You could do different little pianos underneath. Um, next up, the NRF PK, PPK comes with a few cables. Can you make a cable kit for the PPK2, a four pin out to pont connector to batter JST for connecting a feather, four pin debunk connector, also alligator yeah, we have all the Yeah, we have all the parts in the store for you to make any kind of custom cable. Like you might have to, you know, solder it exactly the way you want. Um, but we have like DuPont to alligator clip and we have JST connectors in the shop. Um, so yeah, you can you could definitely make it happen. Yeah. So folks are saying maybe fritzing is fee based. I thought maybe there was like a it's donate not, button. It's don't it's it, well look if you want to donate to support yeah. it, go for it, but you don't have to pay for fritzing. It's free. Yeah. But um uh, we donated to Fritzing. You yeah, we too. did. Um, if you want to start the project. Uh, next up, question for Lady Ada. Uh, have you seen my project for trying to turn a defective slider trinket into OLED trinket? And is a real OLED trinket in the works? No, no current OLED trinket design, but publish your project. Sounds cool. Okay. Um, any update on the click wheel you're working on? Yeah. I mean, we're. We ha it hasn't come in yet. Yeah, we're waiting for the parts to come in. Um, and yeah, the Fritzing version 0.96 was released February 22nd, 2021. We posted it up on the blog. Um, the, the modern binaries are pay. All right. Uh, we should use a previous one or, yeah, or pay. Still I, I, I haven't updated, or, honestly, I haven't updated Fritzing in what, like 10 One years. way to look at it is if you want to support open source software um, where they have a pay model, I mean, I'm sure you can also compile from source if it's still open source, but if you want to support an effort, um, you know, pay the money. I'm if sure. it's a one-time fee, it's, it's probably yeah. not much, and it's worth it. Yeah, Go someone says it. like a seven-time, seven-dollar one-time donation. I yeah, I just haven't. Yeah. I'm still running the same, you know, nine-four from a decade ago. Okay, it works great. Uh, and then um, this, I have a question about the Raspberry Pi I/O board. In order for the run uh, the RTC to bring the board up, does it have to be at a full 12 volt DC supplied at all times, or just give it 5 volts to power the connectors? I don't. I didn't manufacture that board, so I don't know. So I think what you are best off doing is contacting Raspi IO because like they support the hardware. I don't want to give you the wrong answer, and then something bad happens. So contact them, and they'll tell you the exact power requirements for the hardware. Except, are you back up to speed? Any problem getting chips? Yes, but we've figured out um, different products, board revisions. We also saw this coming, and we had a pretty good supply. Um, Kitty you cap. You, you can't just order anything you want, um, you know, and get any chip you want right now. Um, but we we're, we're doing okay. We're navigating it. Um, we'll see how it goes. Next up, um, how could I connect a Raspberry Pi to what is this? Machine? I, I have know. no idea. I don't, what that I don't is. know what that is. No, I don't know what type of machine that is. Okay. Uh, and then here is, I think, the definitive answer. Current fritzing is pay for pre-compiled or download the source and build your own. Oh, that's fair. Okay. There you go. And I think those are if all. You're, if you're young and you, do, and you don't have any, there's people who are like, I have no credit card because they're yeah. not old enough to own a credit card. If it's you seven can, bucks, you like, can either have please consider supporting it. it. Support it, or you can always download the previous versions. They're, yeah. they're on the internet. Okay. And I think we got through all the questions across all the different chats. Good work, Lady Ada. Good work, community. Okay, thanks, Hang everybody. out in um, Discord. You can continue to ask questions and more. That's why we're there. Um, I want to say uh, thank you once again to everyone at Microsoft and the Loeb team who uh, helped us 
do this cool project and it was in the keynote. And of course, uh, thank you so much everyone in the Adafruit community, all of the Adafruit team members. Thank you Takara, who's behind the scenes tonight in Adafruit Slack. Thank you all the uh, folks that are in the chats, the CircuitPython community. Um, it feels really good to be back. Thank you so much for supporting us over the last year. Um, don't forget until um, I get home and I turn off the code. It is MS Bill 10% off Yay. for now on all the things that are in stock and eligible for discounts. Please check that out. And don't forget if you're ordering stuff, Monday is a holiday, so there might be a slight delay on some things, but we have all sorts of warnings and everything all over our site, and even the outbound email say it. So y'all are cool with that stuff. And uh, we'll see you next week. Here is your moment of Zener. Bye, everybody.